2.99. Why are you judging my daughter's diving? I wasn't talking about her. I was finalizing this month's special at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. 2.99% interest for 10 years. Wow, 2.99. That? Visit PellaWI.com. The Wisconsin State Fair is here, bringing you the sights and sounds live from the fair. In for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Brian Record. Indeed. At the State Fair, watching all the happy State Fair people walk, every single person is enjoying themselves here. What a nice representation of Milwaukee. And hearing the live news coverage from Chicago announcing that Milwaukee will host the 2024 presidential, at least the Republican side of it, convention is fantastic. And I have to give major props to probably one of the great thrills for any broadcaster. As you heard Eric give the announcement and then go live to the feed when they announced it at that exact moment, you get the sound clip on the air accidentally. Oh, there's not a greater broadcast feeling. It's the equivalent of hitting the post and you're playing records in the 1970s. That's the only other feeling that can actually match that one. I'm online at Ryan Recker, Ryan Recker Radio, if you want to follow me on there. And, yes, I have texting capabilities here, so if you want to text the show, I can still read those. If you want to call the show, I can still read those, too. And I have to give a lot of credit to Mayor Cavalier Johnson. In Nashville, earlier this week, they had the opportunity to make their case for the RNC convention. In Nashville, their politicians decided that, no, uh, we're going to continue to bicker, and the Democrats there decided, well, we kind of want this, so if you really want this convention, you're going to have to concede to these points, and the Republicans said, no, I mean, legislation aside, why would you deny Nashville this awesome opportunity to make millions of dollars and put them on the national stage? Ultimately, they voted it down. Luckily, Milwaukee had everything they needed, everything signed and said, hey, deliver. And they did. And today was that big announcement. And since Cavalier Johnson is a Democrat, I wondered, okay, uh, what's he going to say about this? But there he is, even though it's the opposing political party, has nice words to say. And his message is, we want you in Milwaukee. It's not political in that sense. He understands it's a good thing for the community, and it will be a good thing for Milwaukee, money-wise. Absolutely it will. And it gives you a great opportunity on a national stage. This is awesome. So I was so thrilled to hear him pitch Milwaukee like he did, even though it's a convention for the political uh, party opposition. So big thumbs up to him for doing that. I'm glad he was a part of it. And it goes to show you Milwaukee has their stuff together. Nashville does not. And for all the credit that Nashville receives for their music scene and all the different atmospheres and, oh, it's so good, it's so trendy, all the kids want to move here, the young professionals, things like that. If they don't have their politics in a row, man, they're not. They're going to have a hard time going anywhere. At least in Milwaukee, it shows you can have that road paved, drive on it, and enjoy it, even if someone has a different political view as yours. As long as you know it's going to help the community, you could be on the same page. Big thumbs up for that. A few things I want to get to this hour on the show. I saw that Fox 6 investigation regarding the police takedown. I want to bring up a couple of observations on that. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. We will talk about that this hour, too. And, of course, there's so much going on at the fair. If you are out at the state fair, don't forget that we're broadcasting live. 
at the Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interiors at the State Fair Studio. It's been renovated, and you can actually listen and watch us, and you can wave at us, and you can smile at us, and you could toast your lemon shake-ups at us or whatever fried thing you have on a stick. Big thanks to them for renovating this, and I have to tell you, as a broadcaster, I've been and seen a lot of different broadcast facilities on the road. This may be the best one I've ever seen. It reminds me of like a summer home when the family goes to the lake every summer and brings the kids. The windows have that feel to it, the atmosphere, the beautiful weather, the music in the air, the food, anything you want is right there at you. It's that vacation feel. We hope that you can stop by and say hi during that. I'm Ryan Recker filling in here on WTMJ. Fox 6 investigates a story about a private cigar lounge co-owner in the Milwaukee police. So I watched the video. I watched both sides of the story. And it's an interesting story, honestly, because I, I see both sides to this. And ultimately, the man is upset with how police decided to handle the situation. He was taken to the ground. So if you haven't actually seen the video of this, I would encourage you to. But since we're going to talk about it, I'm going to open up the phone lines. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. And I'll give you a rundown of this. And I, the reason I want you to see it for yourself is so you don't think I'm trying to uh, play a side here. I want you to really, you know, unbiased look at it. What ends up happening is that there's a call to a business, and it looks like the bottom floor is a business, with the second level being residential, so someone lives up there. So they were called because a guy was shot at this cigar bar. And police get there, and they look around, and they see, okay, there's a hole in the top of the cigar bar. Okay, so it understands that somehow a bullet came from the top, down and hit this guy in the leg. So the cigar co-owner decides to take his friend or the colleague, whoever it is inside of there, the patron, I should say, to the hospital. And while he's at the hospital, police are questioning him. Because whenever someone comes to the hospital shot, police are going to have some questions. Rightfully so. So they're talking to him, and he's like, man, we were just sitting here, and this bullet came down and got him on the leg. So the guy's in the hospital, and the owner's giving his account of what's going on. While this is happening, there is another instance at another hospital where a guy with a gunshot wound from the same location shows up, and now the police are suspicious. They're saying, this is weird. Two people shot, one area at the same time, and this guy shows up to the hospital with an unholstered gun in his pocket. So the police are now suspicious, and they're saying, okay, uh, we need to sort this out. We want you to come back. Can you, can you come with us? We're going to go sort this out at the police station. The cigar owner says, um, we're not doing that. I'm not coming with you. I'm not playing that. So the police say, okay, either you're going to walk out with us or you're going to walk out in handcuffs. You get to decide. And he goes, I'm not doing handcuffs, and I'm not going with you. So there's about four or five officers there, and you can see it on the video. And the officers try to take him by force because he's not doing it voluntarily and he's fighting the police and you hear them saying stop resisting stop resisting and while the police are trying to get the handcuffs on him while he's resisting they fall to the ground now keep in mind when you're surrounded by police officers and your arms are being withheld by them and you fall you're most likely to injure yourself because you're going to not be able to brace yourself with your hands so they do that get him up handcuff take him to the police station where they sort this sort of thing out. So here's what ends up happening. Apparently the people that lived above it, the guy said he was showing off his firearm to some kids or whatever in there. And he said the gun went off, shot him in the leg, went through the floor, into the business underneath, 
It was all an accident. So the guy was scared when he fired this gun on mistake, and he jumped off the balcony of the backyard and ran and then eventually made it to the hospital. Once police was able to confirm this, they released the other person, said this looks like it was all a misunderstanding. So here's where the controversy starts. And this is where I want to ask you if you think anything was wrong here. So the man uh, that was detained because he was taking the patron to the hospital and had a gun unholstered in his pocket and refused to go back to the police department is saying that there was excessive force. And he was saying that they didn't properly report this inside of the police report of the incident. They, they didn't take him because they took him by force, but they didn't report it, took him by force. So now he's bringing a suit up against the Milwaukee police, and he wants this further investigated. I look at this case, and I try to look at it as unbiased as possible, and I know that police get a lot of bad press, and I think this is another instance where they get bad press. This absolutely was a misunderstanding. I believe they acted reasonably... And I think that if you're an individual that's confronted by police, given these circumstances of a crime that possibly was committed, you know, someone getting shot is a pretty serious thing. You have to cooperate with police, which he was. But if they ask you to go back to the station to cooperate, you have to do that, too. And if you decide not to and resist, whatever happens after that point, you're partially responsible for. Other people look at it differently, but I I absolutely think the police acted reasonably here. What say you? 855-616-1620 is the number I'd like to hear from you. I'm Ryan Recker on WTMJ. Look at these text messages. Ryan, how many ears of corn can you eat in one day? My friend's record, Tony, is nine. (laughs) Well, Tony, Tony sounds like he had a great day but a rough night. Another text message, given all the confusion in the situation, I think the police were within bounds. As far as force goes, sounds like they tried to do the right thing, given the information they had. And it was. I mean, at first there was going to be no reason to take him into the station. Everything checked out. It wasn't until the second gunshot victim showed up, and then they said, oh, there's something fishy here. We better investigate this a little bit further. Now, keep in mind, the guy's story checked out, and he was telling the truth, but the police didn't know that at the time, and they had no way of knowing that at the time. The lawsuit says that they need to hold police accountable for misconduct. The police internal affairs said there was no violation committed. No policy or law was violated in this sense. Well, the lawyers of this man, the co-owner of the cigar bar, 100% disagrees with that. But I look at this and say that there's a big difference between actions with police that are provoked versus unprovoked. Everything here was unprovoked at the start. The way that it was provoked is that you have an individual showing up to bring a patron in with a gunshot wound, another individual shows up with a gunshot wound, and you're there with an unholstered gun in your pocket, and the police say, we need to talk to you further because, hey, uh, you know, you're in the area with a gun with two gunshot victims. We need to talk to you about this. And him saying, no, you're not going to talk to me, and then refusing to go with the officers and telling them he was going to refuse, and then physically refusing led to him falling down. So I think there's a big difference between police going up and just for no reason harassing someone versus police doing their duty as part of an investigation, which they were doing, and then this is the result. We'll take some of your calls, 855-616-1620 on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620 is the number. And welcome back. We're discussing the story, the Fox 6 investigation, and they talked to a man that police 
uh, took by force, uh, ultimately let go after they cleared up the story. But part of what I don't understand about the story is that whenever police confront an individual and they're conducting an investigation, and keep in mind, police could be friendly, particularly here in Wisconsin, they could be friendly. And they should be friendly. I don't see a problem with that. But it's part of an investigation. If they're looking into a crime, the reason they're interacting with you is to try to learn more about that. Now, you may not be a suspect. They might just be gathering some evidence or maybe some witness accounts of an event. But keep in mind, too, that the police are there for business. And I don't understand people that think police should... I, oh, gee whiz, if you wouldn't mind coming with us, and you're a suspect in a crime, that you have an opportunity to say no to police when you're someone that they see as a suspect as part of an active investigation and doesn't want to cooperate with police. Oh, gee whiz, if it's not too much of a bother, can we take a look at your gun? Oh, no, that's okay, we'll just leave you alone. I, I don't get that type of mentality that somehow police have no authority when it comes to matters like this, and that's the wrong way to look at it. Let's take a call. Mike, welcome to WTMJ. Good afternoon, Ryan. How are you? Good. Yeah, uh, the police were absolutely within their rights. In fact, they would have, it would have been a dereliction of duty if they didn't try to, you know, get more information from this person. I mean, you know, fortunately he had nothing to do with it, but my goodness, two gunshot victims. Yep. Oh, Mike, you cut out there for a second. Ah, my call back if uh, your phone connects back there. And one of the interesting parts about this investigation is that the guy that was living above, or at least visiting above, after he shot himself, he was so scared that he was going to find himself in trouble for what just happened. You know, discharging a firearm accidentally inside of a home, you could hurt someone. And ultimately, it did hurt someone. There was someone on the other end of that ceiling. And he thought, I need to get out of here. But I don't want to leave through the front door because that might be suspicious. So he jumps off a balcony after being shot. How? And the police even asked that. Like, how did you jump a balcony? Like, weren't you hurt? I've seen Die Hard and action movies like that. And for whatever reason, it's like uh, they depict these action stars as being able to do anything after being shot. But it's never like that. Okay, I think Mike's back. Mike, did you want to finish your thought? Yeah, and I'm not sure where it cut off, but uh, bottom line is that, you know, the, it would have been a dereliction of duty if the police didn't investigate this further with this person. Um, and it, it's just like what you were saying. It's beyond me why people, you know, won't comply with something simple like that. Um, if you have nothing to hide, you really shouldn't have a problem. I mean, I'm guessing this person just has a problem with authority, and, you know, that's why he's resisting. I think most reasonable people would comply. Yep, thank you, Mike. And I think it's important, too. Here's the other thing. Why show up to the hospital with a gun in your pocket, number two? That, that's a weird thing, too. But saying that if you have nothing to hide, don't, no, don't get me wrong. Uh, the way I tell you, you definitely are courteous and you cooperate with police officers. But I wanted to reiterate the idea that if you are talking to a police officer, it's probably because they're there on official business. They may suspect you of a crime, so even though you didn't commit one. But they may be fishing for things that may allude to you committing a crime. So this is why, the, here, this happens all the time. They may suspect you of something that you're completely innocent of. And then they my, may find something you told them sparks their curiosity. And now you're a suspect when you shouldn't be. I understand that you have to clear these things up. 
So that's all you got to do. We have to clear this sort of thing up. The wrong thing to do is to say, I know where this goes. I'm not going with you. You're not. I'm not uh, getting in handcuffs. You're going to have to uh, force me to go. And that's essentially what happened. And that's sometimes the result of it. One text message said, I agree about the issue. I think the issue with the case is how it was written up by the police. If they had written it up here, nothing would have been the case. Okay, so they're basically saying when they decided to do a write-up, there was just a brief mention of the struggle, but they didn't even really call it a struggle. They didn't call it taking him in by force. So they're saying that they excluded this as part of the report. So if if you, let's say, write a report up, and the thing that is excluded is a pretty, I mean, that is a big detail. I, I totally get that. That is a big detail. I think the lawsuit for misconduct and then... Afterwards, you're trying to say that the action of the arrest is part of the misconduct is wrong. You can say that the paperwork was wrong. You can say that they wrote it up incorrectly, but does that really constitute misconduct? Or does that just constitute something that is an honest mistake? I don't know how you'd be able to say those police officers committed misconduct by not including the full written word details of something. They could honestly say it was uh, you know, uh, a mistake they left it out. That's not misconduct to me. That's just a mistake. So, okay, I think everyone looks at this a little bit differently. I'm Ryan Recker on WTMJ. So there was a text message that said police should always ask for consent because most people are nervous and will give it. And you know what? They did ask for consent. At first, when he was sitting there, they believed him and everything checked out. It wasn't until the second gunshot victim shows up that they say, okay, something's fishy here. We need to look into this a little bit further. They said, we'd like for you to come with us. Um, you know, you can do it on your own will, just we can walk out here. And that's when he started saying, no, I'm not doing that. Then they said, okay, uh, we'll ask him again. We can either do it on your own will or you're going to leave in handcuffs. And that's when he fought the police after he said no again. So there was consent asked. And I understand in a perfect world that would be the easy thing to do. Now, keep in mind, you don't have an obligation to allow an officer to consent to a search. If you're in your car, if you're in your house, you can ask for a warrant that's constitutional. And by the way, you should consider those things because you just don't want police fishing around looking for things. I, I'm on that side. No, I get it. This is a different circumstance. We're talking about a couple guys got shot. Let's look at a different story. And thank you for that text message, too. I should probably point out that uh, in a lot of cases, I'm very pro-police, and I'm like that in many cases. But I'm not afraid to point out when abuses or problems arise, and there is discipline necessary. I'm not afraid to point that out. I just don't see it in this situation. Let me point this out, too, because so many people are messaging the studio about food right now. And I'm surrounded by food. I'm surrounded by lemon shake-ups, hot dogs, corn, cheese, Oreos. All kinds of stuff. Cotton candy, pizza. Yeah, I'm surrounded by that, too. <laughs> okay, I guess you'd have to pee here to see it. Wisconsin's radio station, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Working hard from our mobile studio, which I'm in right now, which is air-conditioned. So anyone that's out right now, not air-conditioned, me, air-conditioned. And if you're out, grab a bite at Major Goolsby's Heartland, located right next to the Cream Puff Pavilion. So beautiful. I can't wait to try some of it myself. So I wanted to um, bring up a story 
that I find very fascinating. I think you're going to hear more and more about this leading up to 2024. And I... I don't know if it's just me on it, but with the convention now announced that the Republican conventions in Milwaukee in 2024, no specific date yet, but if you look back at the 2020 presidential election, it happened in the mid-July area, so I'm guessing it'll happen somewhere around that time. I I was looking at stories of Ron DeSantis, and he has been making a lot of names for himself as of late, and a lot of people look at him as the potential front-runner for the Republican Party. Ron DeSantis makes a very strong case to be the Republican nominee. It seems like whenever he has an opportunity to talk on a topic or get in front of a camera or whatever, a microphone, that he makes good use of it, and it makes a lot of sense, the things he says. More recently, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is talking about gender and sexual identity controversies in the state of Florida. And he even took further action, suspending a prosecutor who vowed not to criminalize some of these different cases. Not only with that, but with the the abortion cases. And I was reading through these articles, and I was learning more about some of the different stances he's taking as of late. I think now that you know the conventions in Milwaukee, it makes it more real. It makes it within reach for a lot of people to know that there's going to be this process where a lot of Republicans and a lot of Democrats are going to be making the case of their own party. Hey, I want to be the next president. And I kept looking down the line and I thought, man, during 2020 and leading up to it between 2016 and 2020, how many of you were just fatigued with the news? How many of you, when you turned on the evening news or you listened to the news or you read the news in the paper or an online blog or website, realized that this is exhausting? It is just overly reporting on Donald Trump over and over again. The guy would sneeze and there would be a 10-minute video on the evening news about it. And you thought, I, I don't know how I can keep up with this stuff anymore. It's just way too exhausting. And how many of you checked out and said, I just got to cut back on this? I used to enjoy reading about current events in the news. But as of late, it's just not fun anymore. It's just all negative, and so much of it is just vindictive and personal, and it doesn't even feel like it qualifies as news. And you see this, and it hits, and it hits, and it hits, and like me, I started to check out, and I said, i got to read less of this, and i got to look at other options. When Ron DeSantis started campaigning, because not technically, but kind of, because he's the governor of Florida, and he gets a lot of opportunities, I thought to myself, You're starting to bring a guy like me back in that was exhausted at one point. For me, I think, you know, you can have a Donald Trump as the punching bag, which he is for a lot of media outlets. And then Ron DeSantis, that essentially opens the door for him to say, you don't have to punch me, just allow me to speak. And all of a sudden, it's like less exhausting. It's a weird way to explain it. To say that this may be the opportunity for the Republicans to take a lot back, not only with midterms, but with the next presidential election. Now, given, I don't know if Joe Biden's going to run again, but I think a lot of Republicans wish he would run again. This is going to be a tough record for him to stand on. But if that's the case, this is going to be a real strong 2024 convention in Milwaukee. You're going to see a lot of hard-hitting people that will be out there, and you're going to see a lot of victories that are going to start from this very city. So one of those weird things that Ron DeSantis has done in recent is decided to suspend a state prosecutor in Florida. Is he allowed to do it? That's the big question. We're going to take a break and look at that right after. I'm Brian Recker on WTMJ. We have a couple of minutes here before we check back with the news and, of course, the big breaking news. You'll hear more reported on that. The... 
city of Milwaukee will be getting the 2024 Republican convention. That's going to be a big one. Uh, Here's a text message about Donald Trump. Uh, he says he makes himself into a punching bag. He sneezes on camera, then denies it. So you're, are you saying a lot of the, a lot of the reporting may have been unjustified at first, but made itself justified because of the lie that followed up? You know, it's so interesting because it's hard to tell in a lot of ways the opinion side of it, as in he's got an opinion on a lot of different things, because you can go back and watch some of the videos that people laughed at and said, oh, he's lying, he's whatever. But it turns out he was 100% right. How many of these things have come to pass from Donald Trump? Just saying. Um, But then again, I hope he doesn't run, and I hope that for the state of uh, Wisconsin and the city of Milwaukee, that there's not the distraction of a Donald Trump run at the convention here in 2024. I really hope that you can showcase the city without having to worry about all the circus that surrounds him. I I really hope he doesn't become the next candidate. And I think Ron DeSantis would be a fantastic candidate, by the way. All right, so here's two things I wanted to bring up. And this was one that I was really surprised about. Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida suspended a top prosecutor in Tampa, accusing him of incompetence and neglect of duty. And it made me wonder, all these other large cities that are having issues with prosecutors that are selectively prosecuting, they're taking things based on ideology, they're putting low bails out, they're cycling criminal, uh, criminals back onto the street that go out and commit other crimes, and even violent crimes. And this happens in major cities, and I've heard of even instances here in the state of Wisconsin in the Milwaukee area. It happens quite frequently in large cities that are predominantly blue, meaning that the uh, governor is a Democrat, the largest cities, mayors are Democrats, the prosecutors are Democrats, you get the idea. And they've been that way for a long time. That seems to be one of the biggest trends where people are frustrated. You you hear them calling for a defunding of the police. They want to overhaul the justice system. They want to get people back on with low bail. And it doesn't matter the crime they committed. They'll just turn the other cheek. And ultimately, the cities get in trouble because the criminals get to run the place. And you don't want that. Ron DeSantis on Fox News last night, if we can play that. Well, Tucker, you documented the destruction that we've seen with these Soros prosecutors around the country where they basically take it upon themselves to determine which laws should be followed and which laws should not be followed. And I can tell you in Florida's constitution, uh, that constitution vests the veto power in the governor, not an individual district attorney or state attorney where they can pick and choose. And so I asked my staff to review all state attorneys in the state of Florida. I wanted to see who was picking and choosing. And this is the guy that all the line prosecutors, all the law enforcement said, uh, he thinks he can pick and choose which laws. And he actually signed letters saying he wouldn't force laws against uh, transgender surgeries for minors, laws protecting the right to life. And then he has all these policies in his agency that are called presumptive non-prosecution. No, the law is presumptively enforced. That's not something that's acceptable. Right. Uh, So that was Governor Ron DeSantis justifying why he suspended a prosecutor in the Tampa area. Andrew Warren is his name. And part of the thing that you find is that, okay, he's an elected official. That seems weird. Can you suspend an elected official? Because obviously they'll come out and say, you just defranchise the voters. They voted for me, and you can't do that to get around the ballot box. Here's his argument, Andrew Warren's. But at this point, again, from what I've heard, the governor's orders just based on pure conjecture and lies about what he thinks I'm going to do with cases that haven't even come before me yet. Do you think he's trying to make an example, kind of a, a chilling action here? I think the governor is trying to make a good impression on the Iowa caucus voters for 2024. It makes me wonder if this is even a good play for him. So is it 
even legal for him to do that. So apparently in Florida, the governor can suspend an elected official if there is no opportunity for that person to be removed. And guess what? There is no mechanism to remove that person. So the governor is within his rights to suspend. So yes, he can do that legally. Is it the right thing for him to do? 855-616-1620. Would you like that some of these prosecutors are removed for not enforcing the law? I think a lot of people would welcome that. 855-616-1620. I'm Ryan Recker on WTMJ. The Wisconsin State Fair is here, bringing you the sights and sounds live from the fair. In for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Got some really good text messages coming through. And I would love to hear from you. One question came through. Uh, why do you think so many Republicans lo- loyally look up to Donald Trump? Uh, interesting question. Maybe we'll cover that later. Another one is, I'd like to see the Racine County Sheriff removed for picking and choosing which laws he would like to enforce. So in the case of Ron DeSantis, he went through with that. So there's sometimes impeachment opportunities for elected officials if you believe they are not acting in the right faith or not acting on behalf of the people. And sometimes those go through, and then there's elected officials that are impeached. And it's not just presidents that happen, too. I mean, it's uh, even on the local stage. That doesn't happen, at least for the state prosecutors in Florida, and according to, apparently, the Florida Constitution, that if you are the governor and an elected official doesn't have a mechanism for removal, like an impeachment, then the governor can't suspend you. I wanted to bring up one other case that I think is a little similar, and it reminds me of what happened in Kentucky. And if you remember the case of Kimberly Davis, was an elected official, and she was there to certify marriages, and after certain marriages, and on a federal stage, gay marriage was allowed through she refused to do it and she said that i don't want to put my name on the document because of issues with my faith and she was not only sued but she was jailed i mean she was just leveled into oblivion and so many people looked at that and said that's an abuse of power that you're going to put her in jail because she has a religious objection a lot of people said she could have just uh, left the office but she decided to fight the office right she wanted to be able to say that she should be able to keep her job for her religious freedoms and a lot of people mostly those on the left cheered when she was jailed but here in this case it's a little bit different it's a suspension so is there an instance where you can look at what happened in kentucky certifying marriages versus you know and some people say she wasn't doing her job that exactly what her job is and prosecutors across the country who are refusing to prosecute crimes because they don't agree with it because it's not part of their political ideology and i think you can draw those lines and there's a lot of places where that happened so if it happened to her in kentucky kimberly davis then why can't it apply to prosecutors in some of these different places I'm just throwing that argument out there. Let me also point out that I noticed there's something very popular happening in the city this weekend. U.S. Triathlon coming to Milwaukee this weekend. The Toyota Age Group National Championship returning to Milwaukee on the 6th and 7th. 6,000 athletes, 12,000 spectators. And those spectators could be at the State Fair right now as far as I know. This is what I would propose, and since a lot of times when you find that there's running involved, they start very early in the morning. It's always like right as the sun comes up, you see a lot of these marathons start. So if the fair hasn't opened yet, this is what I would recommend. Come in through gate five, run through 
the south side of the fairgrounds, right by the Cream Puff Pavilion, and instead of getting a little cup of water or Gatorade, they slam some Cream Puff and then be on their way. And if they really want to go big, and let's say they get to that point and they say, I want some more Cream Puffs, then they'll stop by our friends at Major Goolsby's Heartland, located right next to the Cream Puff Pavilion, or Major Goolsby's downtown, dangerously close to the Deer District. So we're happy to be partnering with them yet again here at the State Fair. Make sure to check them out while you're here. But if you're part of the triathlon, who's to say you can't run off course? Hop over to the State Fairgrounds, maybe catch an Uber, <laughs> and get yourself some cream puff and major goolsby no not not going to happen for a lot of these different runners no i've i've had friends that have ran marathons and they say as soon as the marathon's done they're chugging carbs they're drinking and they're slamming down things like the cream puff maybe not exactly the cream puff but things like the cream puff ah it makes me wonder because why not it's uh summer in milwaukee and these are the things that you do so I, I talked a little bit about the DeSantis effect. Here's a few things I want to get to this hour. We're keeping an eye on the bill that is set to pass, mostly because Senator Cinema has said, yes, this one Manchin, uh, Chuck Schumer bill, this 800-some billion dollar bill that probably will be a trillion dollars when it's all said and done or even more, the one they say that's going to lower inflation, but really, by all estimates, will have no effect or in, actually probably go in the opposite direction. That's if everything goes as planned. Now we're starting to get more independent analysis and audit of it, and they're saying that it's going to raise taxes. So we're going to talk more about that, this nonpartisan joint committee on taxation. I want to look at a few of the things that are breaking with that story, because I think that's such a big one, too. And two other legal cases. There's two cases that I think most people are watching. The Alex Jones case with the Sandy Hook families. It just breaks my heart to see the terrible tragedy that they had to go through and then someone harassing them for all those years just just despicable and the other side is the britney griner story out of russia and the developments there two court cases we're going to get to in this hour too i'd love to hear from you on the acunet mortgage talk and text line 855-616-1620 i'm ryan recker at the state fairgrounds on wtmj welcome back I love seeing all the different spectators that may be listening to WTMJ outside of our booth at the State Fair. This is an awful lot of fun. And I can't wait to taste the State Fair a little bit later today. It seems like that's going to be a, a nice thing to do. And a lot of people are taking advantage of the beautiful weather today, too. And I'm here in my air conditioning, which, hey, if you're out there sweating, don't worry. There's a lot of opportunities for you to cool down. So I wanted to get to one of the latest developments that are going on with the Joe Manchin, Chuck Schumer bill. As they called it, the Inflation Reduction Act. But I think a lot of people are now calling it for what it is, which is a climate bill. Because so much of what is being addressed in ways is climate change. And they say that in order to try to reduce inflation, we must address climate change. So they're trying to springboard one to the other to justify it, but then they're going to put on the marquee the inflation to say that here's Democrats trying to do something with it, when in fact a lot of independent analysis shows that it's not really going to do anything. At the very best, what it's going to do is be a net zero to inflation. And if that's the case, then now you're talking about debt. So if you're going to put yourself further into debt, could we, 
help inflation and actually lower that inflation number by not accruing as much debt? Or do you want to stay on track with the way inflation is today, continuing to rise at a record pace, at least the most I've ever seen in my own lifetime? Is that how you want to continue? I See, I don't want that. In fact, I want to find things that will actually reduce it. This will not do that. So here's the very latest on the Inflation Reduction Act. And Senator Sinema says she's on board. Part of the problem with her being on board is they had to revise some sort of tax code that helps super wealthy people, so she's getting criticized for that. The $45.6 billion in the bill was designated for enforcement purposes, but the legislation gives a total of $80 billion in new funds to the tax-collecting agency. So people are waking up and they're realizing that in order to curb inflation, because you know that's something that affects every single person, if you're someone that is not making a lot of money and your family is just getting by and you're noticing that it takes more to get to work when it comes to filling up your gas tank and you're noticing that it costs more every time you go to the grocery store and you're realizing you can't go out and do as much as you want to because you just don't have the extra discretionary funds you're not alone a lot of people are like that if you realize that if you have to if you're self-employed and you're working for your own and you're buying your own products or you're buying your own uh, materials you're realizing that's costing more you're realizing that it's harder to get anything done that's not by surprise to many people that are on lower income, and myself included. I realize every time I go to the grocery store, eggs and milk and everything cost more money, and you can't buy the same things that you used to. That's scary, and, and to me, I don't like it. I want the trend to go back in reverse. I wish I was spending as much as I did a couple of years ago when things were actually going pretty well. This is pre-pandemic. So if you want to punish those people, here's how you do it. You hire a bunch of IRS agents. And that's what the government's going to be doing as part of this bill. To curb inflation, they're hiring more IRS agents so they can do more audits? Now, hold up a second here. Now, I'm not the smartest lawyer in the city because I'm not even a lawyer. But I will tell you this. If you're going to be auditing more Americans and hassling them over side hustles, things they may be doing to make ends meet, let's say some of those people decide to Uber. They decide that there's a third-party app service that allows them to go and make a couple extra bucks here and there. Maybe they go up on Thumbtack or one of those websites where you can hire a handyman. Maybe they're just delivering goods through Uber Eats or Lyft or whatever it is. Maybe they're picking up a second job, or maybe they're just helping a buddy, or maybe they're doing this or that. Whatever it is, selling stuff on eBay. Maybe to get a couple extra dollars, you're like, well, I really do I need all this extra clothes? Do I need all these toys I had when I was a kid? Maybe I'll sell them online. Someone will have joy with them. This is what the IRS is going to do starting next year, if they pass this, which it looks like they will. They're going to hire more agents, and if they find you accidentally left off a sale on eBay or whatever it is, they're going to audit you or they're going to come after you. Does that sound like it's giving the middle class or the lower class any sort of relief? That seems like they're hassling them because the ones that are going to be most impacted by this are the ones that are most likely to pick up a third job or a side hustle. I, this is, I mean, a really big deal, hiring IRS agents. And I keep looking at the arguments online with this, and the arguments are, well, it's just for the super wealthy, and so they can't dodge their taxes. Well, essentially what this new audit is reporting is that not only is the idea that 
no one under 400000 a year are going to find tax increases. That has been blown past. They're finding that people under 200000 100000 and even as low as if you're making thirty grand a year, you're going to find that tax increases and harassment from the IRS is going to be in your future. Great! <laughs> I want less IRS in my life. Man, I don't want to have to deal with that. That's just scary. And we got all this money to hire a bunch of IRS agents. Got it. Great. Thumbs up. No thanks. Not the IRS. Of all the agencies to hire people, if you're talking about reducing inflation, this is like the... Remember in the 90s, everyone said, oh, you know, criticizing the Democrats as tax and spend. Well, what's exactly happening here? Tax and spend. That's exactly what this thing is right now. Oh, come on. You're listening to WTMJ. Great text messages. I, I really would love to hear from you. 855-616-1620. And you would not believe the amount of people defending the IRS on social media. I don't get it. I thought the IRS was universally hated. Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter your background. I thought the IRS was the enemy. What do you mean? Why are we looking at them as the heroes in all of this? No, please, stop. A couple of text messages coming in. Looks like Jeff wanted to know if I've seen any clowns at the State Fair. No, the clowns are in Washington, D.C. No, I'm sorry. That was just a stupid, uh, obligatory clown joke. Text message. uh, How come you guys aren't talking about Ron Johnson? That's a good point. I mean, we could talk about that race. And, of course, next week it's going to be even more important with the primary. You say you don't want Trump to run again, but uh, you want to go back to Trump's economy. Make up your mind. A text message from the 262. That's an interesting one. I don't think that he's the only person that would bring that economy, though I would welcome that economy again. I think that Ron DeSantis could do it, and I think a lot of different Republicans could if they have a spine. Now, some Republicans don't, but some do. Uh, Biden, here's another one. Biden administration is going to weaponize the IRS. Conservative organizations and families will be the target. That's an interesting thought, because during the Obama administration, you saw the IRS looking at conservative nonprofits, and that was pretty well documented. And the idea was, do you really want the government finding their way into your life and weaponizing your tax returns that way, or even weaponizing the ability for you to call yourself a charity or choosing and picking based on your organization's ideology? So you may be a conservative group, or let's say pro-Second Amendment group in a nonprofit, or you may help military families, whatever it is, they may look at that as more conservative than not and then punish you for that. That's actually very scary. And if they are selectively doing it and weaponizing the IRS, I think that's one of the reasons why they were gutted to begin with, because they said, you have too much time on your hands if that's what you're going to do. So good news. Uh, If you thought that weaponizing the IRS was a good thing, it looks like you're going to go back to those old days of weaponizing the IRS. I do believe that's a a real possibility, and it also makes you wonder, is it possible to have a watchdog or someone to audit to make sure they're being honest in the way that they're handling these things? Are they specifically looking at maybe... Income over a half a million dollars, four hundred. They keep the Biden administration keeps saying four hundred thousand dollars and higher are the ones that are going to be affected by this. Are they only going to audit and monitor those that are of higher income or have assets at a certain level? Are they going to be harassing people making less than two hundred, a hundred, or they less than fifty thousand dollars? Well, I think the truth is when you look at it. 
inside of the Senate in a nonpartisan group, they have looked at the proposal and they realize that it's going to increase taxes on millions of Americans. And it's those making less than what the White House promised they would leave alone. Can we play that montage from President Biden real quick? I should have uh, queued you up that we're going to do that before. I'm sorry, Charlie. But the president, as you know, in many different quotes, has said over and over and over again, what we're going to do here is never touch anything under $400,000. He made that a sticking point in pretty much every opportunity he had to talk about some of his legislative challenges, as a, uh, to say the, uh, the hurdles to get through some of his legislative challenges is that, don't worry, if you're making under $400,000, that's not going to happen. Well, in fact, that's exactly what's going to happen. The nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation has looked at this said taxes will increase by 16.7 billion dollars on Americans earning less than two hundred thousand dollars so that's far less than the four hundred thousand you may be thinking to yourself I don't got a lot of sympathy for someone making four hundred thousand they can probably afford to pay more in taxes right so you look up to that and say since it doesn't affect me then it doesn't matter well I think the key takeaway to something like this is even if it doesn't affect you because you're not over $400,000, keep in mind, now you're trusting that they're telling you the truth, and it's only going to be above the 400000 And how does a trusting a politician ever go? It, poorly. It always goes poorly. They also say $17 billion tax targeted at low- and middle-income earners next year, including with all the issues we have with inflation. Uh, maybe that you're pulling a second job. Maybe you're thinking about a side hustle, other ways to make ends meet for yourself. This should really be concerning to you because what the it's already hard enough to live right now. Like you got enough challenges going on. Every time you look at the news, there's something new going on. You're like, okay, things are great. I'm at the state fair and I don't have to wear a mask. Things are getting better. Oh wait, we're going to do a national emergency on monkeypox next, and there's going to be another wave of COVID. And now you're going to have to be worried about this. And now you're going to have to be worried about that. And guess what? You're going to be paying more taxes next year on top of that. Please, just give me a break. At the very least, let me keep more of what I've earned. Because this money that's coming in is earned by me, not you. So just leave me alone for a minute. Can you just not do this? There was one unifier in America, and that was our universal distrust and hatred for the IRS. And now it's become a political thing where the Biden administration is going to use it to their advantage. And the sad thing is so many people in his party are cheering the overreach of the IRS. I don't think the average middle class person will react the same way, and they shouldn't. I'm Ryan Recker on WTMJ. Really great text messages. But I would love to hear your voice. This is a medium where sound travels, and your voice would be part of that, at 855-616-1620 on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Text message, why don't you want to punish those that are cheating on their taxes? So let me tell you what I think the most likely scenario of the IRS will be. I think there are a lot of people who found that the law changed last year when it came to the reporting of taxes, meaning that this will go into effect. If you sold anything over $600 in the past, you didn't have to report it to the IRS. 
Now you have to report it to the IRS. It's not that you were obligated to just skip your tax obligation of it, or at least you needed to uh, uh, just put it in the, like a dark corner. At least it wasn't necessary to report. So, like, let's say you forgot to report something you sold for $1,000. Okay, you should have paid some taxes on it, but you forgot. But at least the IRS wasn't auditing you for it, because that would have been a little excessive, I would agree. Now, if you could say that if the person that forgot to put taxes down for a $1,000 item they sold privately, or let's say someone's driving Uber, and they have to report all this stuff on their own, and they miss this one client or whatever. And now you're talking about a tax obligation of $100 or less to the IRS, and you're getting harassed by a large agency because of that with no real way to defend yourself because you don't have the money to do it. That's scary. Now, if you were to say that only those that were making above $400,000 will be targeted by the IRS, then that's a different story. But you know what? That's not the case. Who do you think they're going to target? Uh, those that have the resources to track and monitor things very closely and then fight it through lawyers? Or those that have no other means to do so other than to just pay the piper and just accept what whatever's said without having the ability to look through it with an accountant? No, I get that. It, it is scary to a lot of people. And it's sometimes as simple as... Should the person that's struggling, picking up a second job, doing things on the side, be the ones targeted here? And ultimately, those are the ones that are not going to be able to hire the resources necessary to defend themselves. Here's another text message. Uh, lower income people have lots less money to hire lawyers. Yes, that's a great point. Uh, super concerned my husband and I are both self-employed and have lost their health insurance Everything is too expensive. If you're self-employed, yeah, you're going to be targeted, too. I mean, you could be a small self-employed business. Good luck. This is going to be tough for a lot of different people. Let me also bring up a text message about Brittany Griner. And a lot of people have been watching not only this case, but the Alex Jones case. Have you been monitoring those, too? So let's start with Alex Jones, because this one could be a little bit quicker. Alex Jones is going to pay $4.1 million. There could be other settlements in the future where he's going to have to pay out some of the families from Sandy Hook. Uh, just to give you um, a background, and you're probably familiar with Alex Jones. In fact, Alex Jones has happened to sit right in our WTMJ studios back in there. Um, he's our new producer, Alex Jones. If we can just bring up our new producer. Alex Jones, are you there? Um Hello, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Charlie, you couldn't even do one sentence without laughing. Well, I don't know what to tell you. It's uh, it's not to have, have me here on WTMJ. And okay. I don't know who this Charlie person is, but I'm sure he does a good job here. Okay, you're very committed to the role, and yes, Charlie does a great job. Well, I, when I found out that our producer Charlie does a great Alex Jones impersonation, I thought we need to bring it in somehow. Um, okay, it was worth a shot. So, <laughs> Alex Jones, after the lawsuits and everything else, he was still running his mouth about the Sandy Hook stuff. And it's so despicable if you think if you're a family member and your kids are lost to a school shooter, that someone out there... Does, not only doesn't believe you, but uses his platform as an opportunity to find ways to harass you and your family. They said their life has been miserable because of the direct consequences of Alex Jones's comments and the way that his viewers were directed. And even after 
a jury decided that he was in the wrong, he was still out there running his mouth. I don't get that about Alex Jones. Can we play this, Clips? The lawyers for the plaintiffs asked for between $150 million and $3 billion. The jury came in this evening with $4.2 million. I admitted I was wrong. I admitted I made a mistake. I admitted that I followed disinformation, but not on purpose. I apologized to the families. And the jury understood that. What I did to those yeah. families was wrong, but I didn't do it on purpose. All right, so here he is. He's, like, still running his mouth. Hey, you know, the, if they thought I was really wrong, I'd have been paying $150 million, not $4 million. So he's still doing this. I'm like, just let it go, man. Just end it. And you know he's going to be in even more legal trouble because his lawyers are incompetent and handed over his private communications for the past two years. Alex Jones, uh, you can make a case for free speech for him. You can make a case that he could be allowed to continue to have a platform and say the things he did. But, man, I, I look at how many lines are crossed in a situation like this, and I just cannot look at him and say, ugh. He was even right, not even a little bit. And I don't mind him getting nailed $150 million. There's other lawsuits that could pile up and get to that point sometime in the future. It is a possibility. The other case that people have been watching very closely is this Brittany Griner case. And the sentencing is that she's in Russia. She was trying to leave, and I guess she had some like uh, vape pens that were laced with marijuana or something, a legal substance in Russia. And essentially they held her at the airport. And then now she's in jail. She saw a trial. The trial found her guilty. Eight years in prison is what she was sentenced to. And a lot of people are now looking at this and saying, you have to get in there, Biden administration. You have to do a prison swap. You have to find a way to get her out. This is uh, totally unfair that there was this little bit of drug smuggling that was found guilty of. And this never would have happened in the U.S. Yeah, of course it wouldn't have happened to this extreme in the United States. But this is Russia. This is so stupid. Here, you're making millions of dollars playing basketball in Russia, and you thought this was a good idea to try to take this stuff out, a banned substance in the country, knowing what they do to people there with their zero tolerance. You still thought that was worth the risk? How dumb are you? So now they're talking about prison swap. I don't think that's a good idea. A lot of people are making the case for prison swap. In fact, Joe Biden said that he likes the idea of doing a prison swap. And now they want to put a weapons dealer, uh, a mass murderer, swapping for this. I, I, I look at this and say, it's not good that she's being held in jail for this, because this is such a minor crime, all things considered. This is a dumb thing to hold someone eight years for. It may be worth giving her a hard time or finding her or whatever it is for trying to smuggle this out, but you know they're making a case because of the diplomatic relations between us and the United States. I get that. I totally get that. Um, but, you know, she did something stupid, and she is guilty of it. So what's your take on these two? And the way I look at the, the, the reaction online, social media, everyone's looking at her as a hero right now, but no, she did commit a crime. If anything, you should say you got to show a little bit of mercy, but you do a prison swap for her. That's the next thing. Is it really worth us giving up everything in order to prison swap someone that actually committed the crime? Let's take some of your calls. Eight, uh, excuse eight five five six one six one six twenty. It's the number eight five five six one six. One six twenty. I'd like to hear from you, and I'll take a look at your text messages too. Here on WTMJ. 
Not much sympathy for the WNBA star in Russia right now. Yikes. Um, you know, I, I see the text messages. Not much sympathy. Just not there. So the prisoner swap that they are referring to is a Russian that was taken as part of an operation. Victor Bout is his name. And he's referred to as the Merchant of Death. We got a nickname like that, the Merchant of Death, an arms dealer. It's easier for me to say that if you're an Alex Jones, you get what you deserve here, and probably you got off easy. It's easy for me to say that. It's also easy for me to look at the sympathy side of the Griner story and say that we need... Yeah, I'm totally sympathetic for the situation that she put herself into. There's no question she put herself into this. Sympathetic that she's in jail and shouldn't be. I get that. But this isn't the United States. There was a Newsweek article that said, Brittany Griner's sentencing sends a message to every citizen in the U.S. And what is that message to every citizen in the U.S.? You're not in the U.S. anymore. What's the old Wizard of Oz? You're not in Kansas anymore. That's what happens. Lawyers have looked at this, attorneys uh, at law, and they say, Brittany Griner is sadly learning the hard way that life is different when you leave U.S. borders. Well, no kidding. Really? And there was one other point I wanted to make about this. So many people say, if this was anyone else, you'd be sending SEAL Team 6 in to go grab her right now. If it was anyone else, you'd do everything at your power. to get. If that was LeBron James over there, you better believe the United States would step in and they would give whatever they want to get. You know, you hear those type of rationale, and they use this as a way to, to defend the wrongful imprisonment. And yeah, I, I get it. This is wrongful. This is not right that she's in there. But she did break the law. And I don't think that you have to hand over the merchant of death to get her. You have to find other means and ways for that to happen. But there was another individual that was accused of being a spy in Russia. And this one individual that, by every account, was not a spy, not even close to being a spy, just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And he has been held prisoner in Russia for as long as, well, even longer than this, for, for quite some time. His name is Paul Whelan. He was wrongly suspected and imprisoned. And my thought of that, everyone says, oh, if this was any other athlete, you'd be over there grabbing and getting her out of here. Where, where were you when you talk about all these other people wrongfully imprisoned in Russia? If we want to talk about Paul Whelan, does he mean nothing to you? Did you use the same argument and say, oh, if it wasn't Paul, if it was LeBron, that you would be over here getting it? No. See, you're using the exact same logic and privilege to say that because she's an athlete who makes a lot of money and is overseas, because she's a woman, then that's okay. But if it's anyone else, then uh, whatever. You know, you don't think about these things. It's, you know, out of sight, out of mind. I don't think that's the right approach here. So just keep in mind, there's a lot of these arguments that I look at and say, no, you can have sympathy for them all, but please don't give the merchant a death up for it because he was rightfully detained and being held for something like this. But the way that they try to justify it is they'll say, oh, he only has six more years left in his prison sentence. Between those two, they have like a couple of decades left in their prison sentence. So, ah, good trade. You know, you're actually coming out ahead on something like this. Well, you're not coming out ahead. You know what's going to happen. He's going to go back to supplying arms and killing people because of that. I'm Ryan Recker. You're listening to WTMJ. Perfect song to watch all of the people walk by the WTMJ booth at the State Fair. Yeah, that was one of my favorite songs in the 90s. 
in the music video, Phil Collins and Genesis, them doing that special walk. I'd love to see some of that walk going on here at the State Fair. little Phil Collins walking. The WTMJ broadcasting live at the Wisconsin State Fair. And thanks to the Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interiors, State Fair Studios have a brand new look. Come by and say hi. The windows are there. The only difference between me and you is I'm in air conditioning and you are not. But the big difference is you're probably eating something delicious and I am not. So kind of a fair trade in that sense. These studios are looking great. Big thanks to them. And i got to also tell you that of all the radio remote broadcast facilities I've seen, this by far is the best. I've never seen one built so awesome and permanently here at the State Fairgrounds. What a cool thing for WTMJ to have. And I'm very much jealous of it. Very much jealous. So I saw an argument online, and I just have to uh, take a moment to try to diffuse this. I saw, and this tell me if I'm a psychopath, honestly. When there are bugs in your house, what do you do? Do you collect the bug and try to get it outside safely? Or do you smash the bug because it's a bug in your house? So, uh, let's just do a quick and formal poll and call in at 855-616-1620. And I'm only doing this because we have a few minutes here, so uh, call in now at 855 616 1620 to the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The discussion online was very simple. The discussion online was, I tried to get a moth out of my house, so I collected the moth, and I accidentally killed the moth on the way out, and it ruined the rest of my day. I don't want people to think I'm a bad person for killing the moth. And I thought to myself, any bug that I've ever had in my house, I am the Terminator. Like, I am hunting that thing down, and I will not rest until I find it. If there's a spider, I take care of the spider by smashing the spider, and I use a paper towel to do so. If there's a fly, you get a fly swatter. If there's a moth, that's a little easier to catch. You could probably use a tissue for something like that. Ants or bugs that are crawling around, combination of tissue or paper towel. Either way, I'm getting rid of it. Am I a psychopath? Does everyone have things changed in 2022 that now everyone just like tries to coddle the bugs out of their house and they do so in a humane fashion? Am I the only one that's still smashing bugs? Come on now, and I don't even feel remorse. Yeah. I've found online that you can buy these salt shotguns. They're pump action. You fill it with salt. And the idea is if you can't catch a fly and they're too quick for you, all you got to do is get that barrel close to it. And when you shoot the salt, it just peppers out, pun intended, and it gets the fly, stuns it enough for you to smash the fly. Uh, and, and I see these text messages coming through. Everyone's like, smash Oh, one collects the bugs, except flies, I kill flies. Okay, so let's go to Connie, who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Thank you. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, it depends on the bug. If it's a ladybug, I will take it outside. If it's a fly, I will swat it. Or some nasty bug, I'll just crush it. But any bug like a ladybug, I'll take it outside. So why does the ladybug get a free pass? Oh, they're so pretty, I think. (laughs) They don't seem to cause any harm. Okay. A lot of these bugs, they don't cause harm. 
I mean, I'm sure the ladybug appreciates that you decide to discriminate based on looks. I'm just trying to do that tongue-in-cheek, Connie. Thank you very much for calling. Wasn't that great? If you just look nice and you're a ladybug, you can get away without being smashed. But, oh, those ugly stink bugs, they look ugly, and their name is ugly. Smash them up good. You know, come to think about it, the stink bug is probably the only bug that I would actually scoop up, take outside to smash, because I don't want that smell inside the house. No, I'll scoop it up, get it in the paper towel, I'll take it outside, and then you step on the paper towel, and you leave it out there, and you throw it away in the up bin, outside bin. It's a lot better than having to smell that thing or have to worry about smelling that thing in the future. So, okay, apparently I'm looking at the text messages. Smash, smash, smash. A lot of psychopaths with me here today. We have another hour of radio. I'm Ryan Recker filling in here today, and it's so nice to be with you at the Wisconsin State Fair. What a beautiful day to be outside. I hope we can visit and see each other here today on WTMJ. The Wisconsin State Fair is here, bringing you the sights and sounds live from the fair. In for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Broadcasting live from the State Fair, WTMJ's mobile studio is very impressive. I've got to tell you, I'm really enjoying it so far. And if you are here at the State Fair, I would encourage you to go eat at Major Goolsby's Heartland, uh, located right next to the Cream Puff Pavilion. And I just had some food delivered to me, and I tried a couple of the cheese curds, and I'm looking forward to trying more. And much like you, you might find yourself here at the State Fairgrounds thinking about what you're going to eat. This is what I would encourage you to do. Go check them out first. Major Goolsby, downtown also, dangerously close to the Deer District. The couple of headlines lately in the news, a lot of people still talking about Aaron Rodgers and the psychedelic drugs that he's taking. So he's pretty open about this. And apparently in the last couple of years, he said this has really helped his performance. And on the field... It kind of had this resurgence. He's always been really good. Last couple of years, he's been really, really good. You get the extra really on top of that. So he was on a podcast discussing his secret sauce, and his secret sauce is psychedelics. Let's take a listen. To me, one of the core tenets of your mental health is that self-love. And that's what ayahuasca did for me. I'd heard about ayahuasca, and, you know, I think there's so many uh, myths and rumors about it. The the fear around it is you're going to shoot yourself. It's just a big throw-up fest. The negative framework sure. of it is that that is the experience, not the deep and meaningful and crazy uh, mind-expanding uh, possibilities. I really feel like that set me on my course to be way more free at work, as a leader, as a teammate, as a friend, as a lover, imparting a blessing of love and forgiveness for myself and gratitude for this life. Okay, so ayahuasca I thought was a city in Wisconsin, but apparently it's not. It's a psychedelic that Aaron Rodgers uses. And do you like to know that this stuff helps him with his love life? It almost sounds like a late night infomercial. 
It's like, take this and you can be a quarterback in the NFL and be great in the sack. So the lover side, I'm going to cross that out because I don't want to look at that. He also looks at the NFL as his work. And it's so strange because when you have a professional athlete, they talk about what a privilege it is to play a game and to be paid to play a game. And, oh, the game I love and I get to do this. No, it's a job for him. So he's looking at this as a job performance. Do you think your employer would offer this in the break room if it meant that you would perform better on the job? Everybody, we want you to take some of this. And it's, I don't even know how you administer it. Do you smoke it, or is it like a drop of liquid? or something? You drink it, it's a tea? Okay, so they infuse it with a tea. You drink your ayahuasca, and all of a sudden it's great, and everything's... If they found out this at Facebook or Twitter and some of these tech companies, they'd probably encourage you to take this stuff. But, you know, if they're winning on the field and you're getting MVP performances from your top player on the Packers, then are you really upset about it if it works for him? But it makes me think back about some of these different marijuana cases that some of these players basically said the same thing. It helped me relax. I became a better person. I wasn't as angry or, you know, I was I was in pain and this helped me get off of pain. The same things that you hear for that. These players have been suspended. You go back just not that long ago, they would have been out a whole season, a couple of games, if they would have failed a drug test. But apparently this is okay. I wonder if the NFL is going to start testing for this. If it's Because obviously he's looking at it as an enhancement drug. It's enhancing his ability to play. That was one of the stories everyone's talking about with Aaron Rodgers. Do you even care if Aaron Rodgers is taking this thing? 855-616-1620. You may be thinking to yourself, as a Packers fan, as long as he's winning, I'll buy him his next round of whatever, the Ayakaska-Waska stuff, and then let him enjoy it on me, and we'll get the win again. He could be an MVP till he's 45 like Tom Brady if he keeps taking this stuff, and that's how some people look at it. I'm sure there's a downside. So many people talk about these type of drugs, drinks, whatever. There's always downsides to these things that they always don't talk about, as in... They, they go up there and they say, I'm a better lover and I'm better at work and I can throw the football further and I'm chiller and I'm happier with my life. But they don't look at the side effects or other things, too. That's very common. Who knows what happens next season? Maybe an arm falls off. I'm Ryan Recker. If you want to give us a call, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. How many times have you looked back at the old games and he's sitting on the sidelines and he's drinking that big green Gatorade bottle, but who knows what what's inside of that thing. He may have been getting high during the game, for all we know. (laughs) This is WTMJ. I'm learning more about Aaron Rodgers now as we speak. Um, Ryan, I'm afraid to publicly criticize Rodgers. I don't want his girlfriend to turn me into a frog. What does that mean? (laughs) Ryan... (laughs) Uh, I like Aaron Rodgers. I do. I, I really do. I, I respect him as a player. I think he's you know one of the all-time greats, easily a Hall of Famer. I think even some of the criticism he received regarding the vaccine as a professional athlete, totally unwarranted. I, I really thought they went out of bounds in a lot of ways. You brought that up. So, no, I, I'm saying I could be poking some fun here, sure, because a lot of ways I don't understand much about this ayahuasca stuff. So maybe someone could help me with that. Jared is on the line. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi, Jared. Oh, did we just lose Jared? Oh, he just yeah. dropped off right when I was about to go to him. Bummer. Jared, call back. I was about to take your stuff, your call. Um, Ryan, here's some other things, too. You might want to f- try the fried bugs at the State Fair. No, thanks. I'll, I love fried cheese, but not fried bugs. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers is still dating a sorceress? So I had to look this up line. His girlfriend is Blue of Earth, who released a statement regarding the finding yourself thing. You know, so many people are just happy for him. They're like, okay, if this helps you become a better person, then that's what they're. That's all they want because it makes you a better football player too. Um, oh, Jared lost service. I see a text message that came in. Call back because this could be very helpful to try to understand that. Oh, he's calling back right now. But with this, does it even matter to you? Um, I, I think about the way that this could impact his play. And if you're getting MVP seasons from the guy, you may be willing to turn the other cheek. But the rest of the league and people and fans in other places will not. They, as an outsider, will not put up with this. 855-616-1620. Okay, we got Jared back. Welcome back to WTMJ. Hey, sorry about that. I'm on my way up north. Didn't have reception for a second. Sure. So what were you going to say about the psychedelic? Yeah, so the ayahuasca is not a physical enhancing drug. It's, it's, it's more of a mental drug. You know, it's really good for treating trauma, uh, depression, anxiety. Um, and I don't know why we don't put more research into this stuff. Uh, a lot of psychedelics are good for that. So he, and, it's, and all the downside to ayahuasca is immediate. It, the experience itself is horrible. You go through some horrible stuff, the throwing up, the puking, but it's when you come out the other side, your mental fortitude, your look on life, your happiness is, is totally different. So, wow. Okay, I mean, so have you taken the stuff before? He's going to be the greatest quarterback ever. <laughs> Wait, have you taken this before? Ah, uh, yes. One time. And it was oh. a very awful experience in an awful place and when you're through with it, it's not so bad. And life, you look at life in a totally different light, and everything just seems brighter and not so bad. You just can handle so it better. So, is that where you're you going right now? You're, you're, you're going up to a camp to take some? <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm going to enjoy uh, time with my family and my niece and nephew up in Eagle River on the water. No, life is wonderful. So, no, this is, good. this is a good thing. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. So, because of it. Well, let me ask you this, though. Uh, uh, is this something yeah. you would continuously take, meaning that you would use it when you need it, or no, is it like a one-and-done no. deal? No, every couple years, every couple years maybe, when, you, when you're feeling like you're, you're a little low on, you know, you're in a low spot of life or something traumatic happened to you, it's a great way to get in and deal with the trauma that happened to you and heal from it and not just treat the symptoms of it without ever getting to the root cause. And we really need to research this stuff because it can help so many people. Because look around us. We have so many people who are having mental health crises everywhere you look. So mm. we got we to well, do something about it. And this is a great thing right, to look so at. Is, is it, okay, so before I was joking, I mean, obviously I'm not going to take this stuff and be an NFL quarterback. There's no magic like that. But uh, right. let's look at the way that no. this affects the mind. So basically this clears his mind and gives him the ability to focus more on his game. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, and you know, I don't know about his personal struggles because everybody is different, but yeah, it allows you to tackle whatever personal struggles you've had in your life and emerge just stronger and better and uh, more alive. You know, Where do you get this you stuff, by the way? You just, usually you have to travel out of the country. Oh, okay, so you, you get it from Canada? That's where... No, I or is it Tijuana? 
Oh, okay. So uh, you have to go way out of the country. So you have the ability to get it. So you you don't want to smuggle this in. You don't want to find yourself yeah. in a Britney Griner situation. Oh, no. no. You, you go. A lot of people would pay money for a good experience. And there's uh, different places you can look online where you could travel, like a book a, book a stay at a nice little resort, and they do it. Oh, so is this like those things you see on TV where it's like five guys in the middle of the desert and they all do the same thing and it's like a, a communal type of experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to have the the greatest. Um, it's nice to have a good environment to do it in and have people look at look after you. That's important too because it is it's it's an intense experience. It goes on for a while and. Usually it's not super pleasant, but that's the thing. You're, you're dealing with your innermost traumas, your anxieties, your depressions, and you're wiping them out. Gone. Is this the stuff that Beavis and Butthead took in Beavis and Butthead Do America, and they played the Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah, Love Roller Coaster? Yeah. Is that the same stuff? Oh, I did not see. Sorry. Wait, you don't recall the 90s classic, maybe one of the all-time great movies of all time, yep. Beavis and Butthead Do America. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm only in my 30, so I, uh, I maybe quite missed out on that, just a hair young, possibly. <laughs> all right, thank you, Jared. Good to hear from you here today. No, I remember seeing that movie in the theaters, and I would have been pretty young, too, but as a teenager, are you kidding me? Beavis and Butthead, they have a movie... In the theaters, I had to go. And I think my parents even took me to it. It was PG-13. You know, it's cartoons, so the worst they would do is have a bunch of, like, you know, sophomore jokes or whatever. That's exactly what it was, like the television show. But there was that moment they took something and kind of, like, tripped out. So I'm wondering if this was it. Maybe that's where Aaron Rodgers learned about it. Because, essentially, I think I'm the same age as Aaron Rodgers. So maybe we saw that movie, and that's where he planted the seed in his mind. I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. I'm Ryan Recker. You're listening to WTMJ. I'm learning a lot about drugs today. This is like going back into eighth grade and the D.A.R.E. officer comes in and teaches you about all these things you've never heard of before. It's uh, good to have you here. I'm Ryan Recker, at Ryan Recker on Twitter, if you want to follow me there. And it's going to be a great weekend here at the Wisconsin State Fair. We hope you can join us and check out these beautiful facilities. They are so nice. In fact, when you are here and you are listening to us, because the speakers are outside the studio, you can always give us a little wave. We love seeing that. If you want to, woo, hello, hello, the Mobile Studios. Uh, make sure you check them out. Thanks to the Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interiors. Our State Fair studio has a brand new look. And we have a brand new look as well because I am not Jeff Wagner. Unless Jeff Wagner really did like a face-off thing. And somehow we changed faces and voices. But it was easier and less money to just actually switch places for the day. I'm Ryan Recker at the State Fair. And big thanks to the Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interiors. Do a great job here. Uh, let's go to Kelly, who's calling in on the Aaron Rodgers thing. Hello, Kelly. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I can already tell that you are pro whatever this is that Aaron Rodgers is taking. You know what? Oh. I think it's really a choice for everyone to make. Um, but And I love what your previous caller said. He made it very clear that it is a transformative experience. Um, but I think it's really important to understand that it's more of, on the lines of a sacred 
ritual and a sacred experience that needs to be led by a skilled shaman. This is not mm. something people can just go pick up on a street corner. You know, they made it look like he was drinking it from a Red Bull can. Like they were, he was holding this up or whatever, and it was just something that you can just get anywhere. Uh, Kelly, what happens if my shaman's in jail? He was the QAnon shaman. <laughs> well, then you're going to have to find yourself a new shaman. I, you know, and maybe there are places. <laughs> Wait, what, is there like a Uber for shamans? You know, like, can I call I one up and just go and visit him? <laughs> I really think you you you've got to look at the history of this. This comes from. In, to my knowledge, and I, I know there's people out there in this community that know more than I do about it, but to my knowledge, it comes from the sacred tribes in Peru and maybe some other tribes in South America. And it's a very sacred ritual experience. Um, you know, and in, not like the United States. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention, like, here in the United States, and this is just a general drug question, and, uh, you know, you might not know this, but it, when here in the United States, we have this issue with fentanyl. So a lot of times you find certain drugs on the street are cut in a certain way. They add this fentanyl, and it's very deadly. A very small amount could be very deadly. Do they have that sort of issue if you go to Peru? Do you find that there's this, like, you know, people travel, and they find the shaman, and they go there, and then, you know, they don't come back? No, I've never heard of that happening. But remember, it's not a... So what is a drug? Is a drug the chemicals put out by pharmaceuticals, or is a drug a plant? So this is a plant derivative. Um, it's not derived from any kind of, um, like, man-made chemical substance. It comes from plants, and that's why... And plants are powerful. Mm-hmm. To me, as someone that doesn't take drugs, this sounds like a bunch of hippie stuff. So, are there like people that aren't in the drug world taking this stuff? I would. So, this is not something that is in the drug world. This is something that is more in the space of yoga, meditation, sacred spirituality, sacred rituals. Um, it's not something that is like a drug on the street kind of thing and it's not it's not at all in that kind of category wow so like is is a mom that's driving a minivan and wearing yoga pants doing this stuff or is it like businessmen that just have a bunch of money and they have the means to go to peru um possibly both but i would say that it's Typically, somebody who starts out could start out in yoga as a exercise, and then they kind of progress into yoga as a lifestyle, and then they kind of progress into yoga or um, or other spiritual sacred paths. Um, so it's not yeah, it something that typically just anybody goes after or can can have access to. Quite honestly. Yeah, well, someone texted in, and they said, why go through all of this trouble when you can just smoke marijuana? It's not the same. It's We're, we're really compu con confusing drugs with ayahuasca. Mm. It's like, so, it's just two different things. Okay, are, uh, so this is going to sound weird, but do you uh, actively take drugs like recreationally? 
I have never done drugs in my life. And honestly, I have not done the ayahuasca. But I, this, you know, this I've is, done I a lot find of that very hard to believe. Rituals. I believe you, but it, it sounds like you know so much about it as someone that takes it. No, it's because I live in a more sacred spirituality space. Mm. Gotcha. So okay. I have done a lot of yoga and chosen this as more of my natural lifestyle. So Great. it's not that oh. I have taken it. I, I know a lot of people who have taken it, but that hasn't been my path. Ah, thank you very much for the call, Kelly. Very interesting, too. And it seems like, to me, as an outsider, I don't do drugs, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any of these things. But this is like, we're going to go to the commune and hang out, and we're going to you know, work on the crops in the morning, do yoga at night, and take ayahuasca stuff at night. You know, it's, just, it's completely outside of my realm and my world. We're going to have to take a break, but we'll take some more of your calls on this at 855-616-1620. Hello from the Wisconsin State Fair. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. Hello to the lady who is eating the ice cream cone on the other side. Yeah, it looks like you're very much enjoying that. It looks very good. And we're going to be here all day and all next week. We're really looking forward to spending time with you at the WTMJ studios. Make sure to stop by and say hi. Let's go to Chris, who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Hey, thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Yep, go ahead. Um, so I, I studied abroad in, um, in Ecuador, um, and know multiple people that have had an experience with ayahuasca. And the reason that I say experience is it's not something that can be abused. Um, it's also not something that I know your previous caller spoke about it, but, uh, that the shaman, uh, would allow it to be abused. This is not something that you can buy on the street, nor is it controlled by the cartels. Uh, I know that you were speaking about fentanyl. Um, so this isn't something that is, is laced with anything. It's uh, made locally by the shaman. Um, and it's not taken taken lightly by uh, the Warani in the Amazon uh, where where I was, um, where they, you know, kind of allow people into this experience. I like that you said it was locally sourced. It sounds like you go to the farmer's market in Peru or somewhere, and you just find the freshest batch of ayahuasca. And it made me wonder, too, at the Wisconsin State Fair, is there an ayahuasca booth I don't know about? But you can't get that stuff here in the United States, I guess. No, no. It's actually um, it's actually made out of uh, several roots, um, and, and only the local people know about it. Um, it, it again, it, it's not something that's taken lightly and they they don't allow just anybody off the street to to try it you i mean you have to um more or less be approved by the person that's administering it oh so you need to, the handshake like how much does it cost by if you were there like how much would you have to spend to get this experience and that i don't know i know um i've had a friend who's whose dad actually um paid for an experience to, to go down to um, to Costa Rica and have an experience and that cost, you know, several thousand dollars just to ensure that they had a connection with a shaman. Uh, but if you're in the local area, like your previous call, I said, you need to know a shaman. And I'm not sure exactly what it costs. The, the experience itself is not super expensive. 
uh, but it's really kind of knowing the correct people in order to, to have this experience. You know, our last caller didn't know, but is this the stuff that Beavis and Butthead took in Beavis and Butthead Do America? Do you know? That I don't know, but I doubt it. I think that's a little advanced okay. for them. They're <laughs> in the 90s. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for the call, Chris. Some, someone out there will know the answer to the Beavis and Butthead question. You know, I wasn't really planning on doing uh, this many uh callers or whatnot on it, but this is something I think gets a lot of people's attention. And what I've seen, I saw ESPN talk about it last night, Shannon Sharp and them, and essentially what they say is, you can disagree with the guy off the field, but you can't argue with the guy on the field. Aaron Rodgers is the best. He's so good, and you can literally see differences in his game and how that has uh, helped him. I think there's going to be a lot of people here in Green Bay as you root for the Packers that may be more forgiving. If this were something on an opposing player, if let's say the Bears quarterback was using this stuff, I'm sure you'd be poking fun at it or maybe calling for something else. And I think maybe because it's a hometown thing, you feel a little bit more likely to allow it. But maybe it's just that here in the United States, when it comes to recreational use of drugs, it's become such more relaxed. And you find, culturally speaking, people are just more inclined to allow these things to happen, don't want any sort of law enforcement. They just want to say, as long as they're not hurting anyone, it should be okay. And then they try to endorse and get more relaxed drug laws onto the books because they say, okay, what's the big harm on something like this? But ultimately speaking there's always a harm i mean alcohol or drugs or whatever it is smoking there's a harm to it though you're allowed to do it recreationally so i think there is some interest to discuss these things not that i think that you'd want to bring this sort of thing here in the united states but who's to say that after a big name like aaron Rodgers or even what's the latest the joe rogan he's someone that i know is really into things like that maybe once you get some of the more star-studded names that starts to influence more people to say why not here and why not now so, I, I, again, that may be more of a slippery slope type of deal, and some people would argue that, but I don't. I think that we're going in one direction when it comes to the relaxation of recreational drug laws, that we have to be very careful and tread lightly with that, because there are downsides to it. There really are. All right, we'll take a break. I'm Ryan Recker here on WTMJ. <laughs> Uh, sounds like we may have an answer to the question. What was the drug that Beavis and Butthead took in Beavis and Butthead Do America? Mark, do you know the answer to that? Yes, I do know the answer. But before I answer that, is it okay if I offer some of my thoughts? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Um, my thoughts were that um, there's been studies shown, and actually I think the University of Wisconsin in Madison has been doing trying to do some studies about psycho- psychedelics and their potential benefits for people who have PTSD um, so that they can try to find some remedy, some kind of therapy for uh, for the sufferings that they're still bearing. So especially our veterans, that'll be psychedelics are a possible pathway to, to find some, some cures for them. But the answer to your question is uh, Beavis and Butthead took peyote, which is a, a local uh, psychedelic and it's different from ayahuasca. It's a cactus and ayahuasca is a root. And that's thanks Wikipedia. Gotcha. Thank you very much. Now that I know. But that was a really good scene. You know, them dancing and playing Roller Coaster of Love by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And talking about, just generally speaking, where these drugs come from, peyote versus the ayahuasca. Um, Mark, are you still there? I got a question, a follow-up, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So, was they, you, you talk about the benefits of it. 
one of the benefits being that, let's say you're a war veteran and you're having PTSD, you're having issues because of that, and it's making it more difficult for you to live your regular life because of some of the side effects of war. Would you look at this as an opportunity to be prescribed by a doctor, or do you look at this as more recreational and it should be made available to anyone that wants the experience? Well, right now, the only really avenue for it is recreational, but I think the the best way to do it would be actually to have somebody who's trained, like a a therapist or somebody who's trained with the drug to know what some of the side effects are, to know what kind of goes on. I mean, in some ways, it would be a a similar form of a shaman, but to have somebody who knows what it is, what the um, some of the dangers that may come of it, because there are side effects with drugs, but somebody who's trained and can actually walk the person through um, digesting some of the things that they've seen in war. Yeah, and it has become more popular to discuss and at least study how this could be beneficial to those with PTSD. And I do see some benefits to it. I understand that. Uh, I also see benefits to you know, medical marijuana, and I think some people would say that that is how you would normally handle some of these issues with PTSD, medical marijuana, as opposed to going to something stronger than that. So why would you need something stronger? Why why not just use medical marijuana? I mean, medical marijuana is kind of like taking, like, painkillers for pain, but it doesn't actually address the source of the pain. Um, the pain's always there, it's just that you're kind of numbing it, whereas um, some of these psychedelic drugs can actually get to the source of that and actually try to sometimes eliminate that or try to um, alleviate that. So how would the drug identify the origin of the pain? So how does this flush it out of your system? Well, PTSD, it's a, um, it's a psychological disorder. It's something within your brain. Um, it's something that's causing you to react a certain way towards certain situations and things like that. So when you take this, um, especially also like with therapy, when you go, when a person goes enters therapy, there's a way to realign somebody's thinking, kind of realign the way somebody processes a situation. And that's what this, this drug would be helping, would be somebody to process through um, their experiences when they're having what whatever triggers them to have PTSD. They can, they can, and, try to engage that and affect that directly so that when they're in situations like that in the future, when they're not on the drug, they don't have the same reaction. Are there shamans in Milwaukee? Well, not that I don't have them. As far as I know, those drugs are very illegal, and do that would get thrown in jail. Sure, but no, I mean, like, just the, are there people that call themselves shaman that don't necessarily administer the drugs? Like, can you go onto the yellow pages and find a shaman? Uh-oh. Mark's gone. Okay, that's okay. I think Mark didn't want me to call the shaman up. He said, hey, 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 I don't want to advertise my shaman. Maybe he is a shaman. Like I said, mine went to jail. The Q and I can't say it with a straight face anymore. All right, we have one more segment back from the state fair, and I've been telling you about all the great things that are out here. And I just got to say, the greatest thing about the state fair is you. Aw. There's so many great people walking around, and everyone looks like they're having such a great time. Yes, you're the great part of the state fair here in Wisconsin. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ.